and welcome to week three of the Punt Return Podcast. My name's Josh Wye, and as always, joined by Nick Splitter. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Evening, mate. Yeah, going well. Going well. It was a tough week last week for the for the tips. Well, not, not for you. You had a pretty good week, but I had a, I had a rough one. I, st- uh, I still, I'm not, not going to humble brag, but I still haven't lost a best bet yet. I'm 5-0-1 uh, <laughs> with the push with Cincinnati. You've got a nice push. Um, big, bone, big Bone Randy. I uh, still miss that kick. I'm still, I am probably won't forget it. Um, not that the thing is, that should have been a win as well. That push should have been a really, win too. So really should have been a win. So um, not that it's possible, but if if week seventeen rolls around and I'm like, you know, whatever it is, zero and one, I'm going to be really annoyed that that's the only blemish on my record. But you it's not going it. to happen. You take yeah. it though. Um, week week two. Um, I, I was trying to think of how I'd open the show, but I, I read Greg Rosenthal's debrief, one of my uh, must read articles every week on the NFL. And I thought his opening paragraph summed it up pretty well. He said, the fun young Broncos are decimated. The Giants offense may be unwatchable again. The frisky Panthers attacks now playing Mike Davis, every snap at running back and the defending NFC champion 49ers depth chart is as useless as pre pandemic vacation plans. Um, I thought that pretty much summed up, um, you know, what a brutal sort of injury Armageddon or injury Geddon as some people are calling it. Um, scoring was way up, penalties were down, but yeah, just injuries kind of soured what was a pretty pretty fun week of NFL football. That was a brutal NFL Sunday slate. That was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that in, in a single day of you know, 20 years of watching the NFL. Yeah, I tried to uh, I started writing a tweet with all the players that were injured and I ran out of characters. So yeah. I, just pretty much, I just pretty much gave up. So I'll, it was then too start, much halfway. It was too much, you know, for, the, for those of us in Australia, like 5 a.m. Australian time, it was already too many characters. Yeah, it was Mental. It was nuts. It would, it would have been quicker to name the players that didn't get injured on, on uh, week <laughs> two. But anyway, um, let's talk like our biggest takeaways from week two before we get into week three. Um, for me... Drew Brees, he's cooked. I think he's done. That's it. That's Be my cool. takeaway. I think. I think he's. I think he's done. He, he looked awful, awful, he awful. Gave me Peyton Manning vibes. Um, the year that he somehow still won the Super Bowl, but um, which kind of made up for the years where he was robbed and played so much better. And maybe Drew Brees could do the same with his Saints defense. But I just don't know if the Saints defense is as good as as what Denver had. But yeah, he looks. He looks really bad. So. Um, that's pretty much my number one takeaway from from uh, from week two. What about yourself? Yeah, that was that was very hard to watch that Saints game, and I was big on the Saints from last week. Um, yeah, very difficult to watch uh, a legend play like that. And I, I'm just hoping that it's you know maybe it's just missing Michael Thomas. He wasn't great in week one either, so it's a worry. But uh, yeah, yeah, difficult to watch. And that was my my number one takeaway as well was was the New Orleans Saints. WTF. What happened in that second half? That was uh, I can't yeah, even I mean, think of led, a pleasant word. They led ten nil. Yeah, I was on the radio. I was on the radio doing a, a bit for uh, Sport FM in Perth. Shout out to those guys for for giving me uh, some airtime every week. Um, haven't, Perth haven't quite caught on that I'm uh, not very good at this, but um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, 10 nil. This Saints got this in the bag. That's fine. I can't see the Raiders coming back, and just yeah, couldn't have been more wrong more well, quickly. I- I had I had a balance in in one of my betting accounts and I just needed to turn it over for a fairly decent sized withdrawal, and uh, yeah. so I went I went at a dollar twenty one or whatever Saints plus five and a half, absolutely disgraceful. Uh, disgraceful. Oh no! Oh no! So there you I go. don't have a betting account anymore. <laughs> there we go. Um, 
my second NFL takeaway is I just can't believe the NFL really let Bill Belichick upgrade at quarterback and for the minimum wage, <laughs> and he saved ten million. Um, it's it's crazy how the NFL how this always happened. And I used to hate the Pats for doing this all the time, but now I'm just like absolutely in awe of it. It's and Cam if Cam's looking this good in week two, his second game in this system, uh, man, it yeah, I'm. I'm really keen to see how this. I think there. Are, I have two dark horses in the AFC. I think it's Pittsburgh and and it's New England now. That's. I think they're the they're the four. I think alongside obviously Kansas City and Baltimore. But yeah, that's a scary proposition in the NFL. It is. It is scary. I'm loving what they're doing at the moment, and and I was not big raps on them preseason, as you know. Uh, yep. But yeah, I mean, there are there are probably ten or fifteen other franchises that could use Cam Newton at quarterback that would have had an option to, to sign him for cheap and didn't. And uh, the rest of the league's on notice. I just don't understand how they didn't. Like, there's just absolutely no risk involved. Like, you sign him for, even if you give him, like, $5 million, I don't even think he's on that. He, he can with incentives, but... I think he's like, on, like, 2.8. Like, it's just yeah, ridiculous. What's, like, what's the downside? Like, if he plays bad, then you just cut him and, oh, well, we, we you know, we, tr- we flip the tyres on a former MVP. Like, what's, like... What? What's the exactly. big deal? We all, like, we all know the reason why some NFL teams didn't sign him, but we won't go well, there. But you know, it's like some some teams are paying backups ten times that. Like yeah. Marcus crazy. Mariota's earning more than them. Um, Cam Newton this year. So hmm. anyway, that's my that's my second takeaway. What have, what about you? My second takeaway is another quarterback, but one who's brand new to the league. Justin Herbert looked pretty comfortable in that starters jersey, and I'm not hmm. sure that Tyrod Taylor gets it back. Big call. Um, I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor, given Me too. how it happened. Um, <laughs> Me too. But it that's, happens. Like, that's that's going to get Chargers, ugly. That, the Chargers, yeah, the Chargers are, are copping a lot of heat for that. But that happens. Yeah. Like It is one of the risks of painkilling injections pre-game is that sometimes that does happen, and he's not the first player that's happened to and won't be the last in professional sports. So it, it happens. Yeah, I know. But, you know, but it's going to get I'd ugly. Like to look, I like the look of the Rook. Yeah. A um, bit of accuracy issues, but um, I liked it. He moved right. the chains. Um, he looked pretty comfortable. But, yeah, um, the, the Tyrod Taylor thing is going to get pretty ugly. There will be lawyers. That's the most Charger thing ever as well, by the way. So, um, <laughs> all right. Listener questions at Chopano. Uh, he tweeted us, keen to hear your theories on what those Atlanta special teams players are thinking, obviously referring to the onside kick. Perhaps they were hypnotized by the wicked spin of Greg Zerline's uh, that he imparted on the ball. They were definitely poor ball watching. I mean, they just didn't look like they were moving compared to the the Cowboys. I I think they thought it wasn't going to make it. Like it was just there was just no way it was going to make it. So why risk it? Why risk touching it and giving Dallas a chance? Mm. And so I can understand that. But the minute it gets even closer or closer to that line, so you just got to jump on it. Surely, yeah. like, but you've got to be, oh, got to be aware crazy. of the fact that it might in that situation and be ready for it. Yeah. Like yeah. they just didn't look prepared or ready for it at all. It was just bizarre. Yeah. The minute and, they covered that kick, you knew they were going to kick the field goal. Yeah, oh, 100%. 100%. That's a dollar one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Matt Ryan. But we were on the overs. We were both on the overs, so that was, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was all really, already well and truly over. But, well and truly. Uh, yeah, all good. Um, all right, so we talked about results. Uh, yeah, 3-0 three, three no last week for me, 5-0-1 on the, on the season. Yeah, I even got a long shot, but I didn't have a price last week so on the show so if you didn't listen last week i didn't have a price but it was about four dollars fifty odd it was mike evans 100 yards and a touchdown mm. and and that lobbed so wasn't my best long shots i only had 
sort of half the unit that we have. So we have two units. So I put half a unit on that. So we're still quite down on our long shots, but uh, you'll get on a roll soon. You, you, you'll warm up. I think, it, I think it was like weeks four to 11 was your run. So It's just yeah, hard, um, like early in the season, especially in a season like this, there's so yeah. much uncertainty about how teams are going to line up still and, you know, the yep. snap count and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's tough. Long shots are tough this time of year, but hopefully get into a bit of a groove, you know, as we head into, into mid-season. Yep, and a uh, bit of a losing week for you uh, on the best bets. But um, looking back at the dock, you actually were you actually probably had a pretty good week overall. I think it was like I think it was like seven three or seven four over the course of the weekend. But yeah, best bets one and two, which is unfortunate for the uh, the pod count. But it yep. is what it is. That's that's why it's called gambling, I guess. Exactly. And speaking of, let's uh, let's get into week three here and and uh, kickstart. Uh, with Thursday Night Football, Miami at Jacksonville. Jacksonville minus three. Total was 48. Surprisingly, we enjoyed last week's Thursday Night Football game between the Browns and uh, the Bengals. So I'm actually kind of excited for this one. Uh, It's a horrible jersey matchup, just quietly. But, you know, a bit of off and disgusting green shades in this one. But um, but I'm I'm tempted by Jacksonville minus three here. My numbers have the minus four. But I prefer the over 48. I think that's the safer play. It might have even moved since we have um, did our notes here. But, yeah, look, I don't think the Jaguars are going to have trouble scoring on this defense that's struggled against both the pass and the run this season. They'll be missing Byron Jones, their star recruit. And, uh, the, and the Dolphins, I think, you know, they can move the chains against this Jacksonville 30th-ranked pass defense after they put 300 yards on the – on the Bills secondary, that you know, that vaunted Bills secondary that everyone's mm. been talking about all off season. So, um, I actually think this, this should be a highly, um, you know, entertaining game with plenty of scoring. And um, yeah, I like the over forty eight. And uh, I think Gardner Minshew might be good enough to not give Jacksonville Trevor Lawrence, which in the long run is probably a bad decision for the franchise. But good on Gardner. Like I think it's I think the NFL is more fun with Gardner Minshew in it, and it's like a I'm really looking forward to this swagged-up white quarterback battle between Fitzpatrick and Minshew, the uh, the all-white QB swagger bowl. Like that's where I'm at. But yeah, over 48 for me. The facial hair, the 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 stash against the the beard. The beard, yeah, beauty. That should be should be a bit of fun. I, like you, I'm expecting I'm expecting a big score and, and a lot of points. Um, probably don't need to touch on some of those stats that, that you already did. But um, you know, Fitzmagic's going to throw it. You know, Minshew's going to throw it. He had 45 passing attempts last week. Um, I think he's going to throw it a lot again this week, like you said, against that that Miami uh, defense. And I, I like him for for a play prop, two dollars ten for two hundred and eighty six plus passing yards. Uh, he had what three hundred and thirty odd last week mm. on four hundred uh, on forty five attempts. So, you know, I, I really like this game. It's, it should be fun to watch. Like you said, the, the ugly green last week was the ugly orange. This is the ugly green. Um, so yeah, it should be a fun game to watch. But I, yeah, I like the overs as well over forty eight. Yeah, fantastic. Any, um, any props you like? Yeah, I've got a roughie here. I think this might be the Lavishka Chanel Junior breakout game. So, what a um, great name, by the way. It is great one name. of the great names. Um, I'm going to wait until I find out whether DJ Shark is playing or not. Um, he's questionable, um, and if he's out, then I'm definitely taking this. The price might change, but you can get Chanel 99 plus yards at some places, uh, 15 to one. I think that's, I don't know, he's got a lot of yak potential, big playability. Um, he caught three of his four targets for like 35 yards last week, which doesn't sound great, but I mean, but he's, he's only going to throw it. 
yeah, he's getting eleven yards a eleven yards a pop, and and you know he just needs more targets. And I think if DJ Shark's out, um, then there's every bit the chance that he kind of is the is the guy alongside Keelan Cole in this game. So yeah, I think that's kind of a long shot that I'm going to go with, and it's in my long shot place uh, this week. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Is Tyler uh, Eifert playing this week? He is. He, he, he is looked a bit play. banged up in the second half last week. I wasn't sure if he was going to play this week, that's, but that's he, that's just Tyler Eifert, mate. He's always, <laughs> always banged up. But yeah, I mean the, that's why that's why I don't mind that receiving yards as opposed to the the touchdown markets for Chenault because I think Eifert, if he's fit, especially without DJ, um, will be kind of that red zone heavy pass target. But yeah, I don't mind that at, at double digits. It's not bad. Not bad at all. Let's move on to Chicago at Atlanta. Atlanta minus three, totals 47. What's your thoughts on this one? Oh, Atlanta. That was that was tough to watch that, that second half last week against the Cowboys. They are, They've been through enough. They are so good to watch on offense when they've got the ball. And I said to, I said to you guys in that season preview that this could be the most talented Atlanta offense that Matt Ryan's ever had. Coaching aside, Shanahan, you know, no Shanahan, obviously, but Matt Ryan is an absolute gun. And you've got in your notes something that, that I think is correct as well. But um, absolute shootout last week and deserves better. Matt Ryan deserves better from, from the Atlanta defense. Um, yeah, it's just a no-go for me. Just based on Chicago's top five pass rush defense, um, I just can't, I can't touch Atlanta at the moment based on that. Yeah. These teams are really like kind of mirror images of each other. So one yeah. obviously like – got highly deficient defense in Atlanta who are awful. And then you've got Chicago with a highly deficient offense. So it's I wonder who's going to come out on top in this one. I actually feel bad for Matt Ryan. Um, like, and people that have listened to this show for a long time know that I'm a big Matt Ryan fan. So that's mm. just my homerism, you know, you know, bleeding through here. But I mean, if he, if he, wins that game and then, you know, they hung around with Seattle. He's a genuine MVP candidate if his team had a couple of wins on the board. He's had 723 passing yards, six touchdowns, only one interception. Um, Calvin Ridley looks like he's overtaken Julio as kind of the wide receiver (laughs) one on that team. Julio dropped a dead touchdown pass as well, which doesn't happen very often at all. But, yeah, this line looks spot on. I'm still not convinced the Bears at all, like, by the Bears or Trubisky at all, but um, I'm not really confident enough in the Falcons to to cover a line at the moment until I see a little bit no. more heart um, from that defense. It's just it's just too hard. Um, so I'll have a I'll struggle to take the, the Falcons as favorites all year, but I'll, I'll definitely be liking them as a dog because I think on their day, like Matt Ryan can pretty much win any game of football. He has the ability, he has the talent around him, but yeah, unfortunately, their defense is just so horrendous. It's just hard, and- but uh, yeah. And had the the ability to throw the NFC East into absolute disarray if if the Cowboys were were zipping too as well as well as the Eagles and the Giants and you know yeah yeah it's pretty look. nuts that the, it would have been nuts that the uh, one and one Redskins would have had more wins than the rest of the three <laughs> teams combined but um, thanks to Greg the Leg it's not the case um, all right Cincinnati at Philly speaking of the Eagles they're four and a half point favorites at home that total is. 46 points. I know you won't have a play on this because uh, you're uh, true. You, you bleed green. You're part of Bleeding Green Nation. Is that the correct term? Well, yeah, fly, eagles, fly, and, and bleed green nation. But, yeah, it's, yep. look, it's just it's a tough one because this is – the Philadelphia Eagles offense has not been this bad for a very long time. And I don't think it will stay this bad, but they're just hard to watch. They're, they're hard to, to bank on. And 
I mean, like like you said, I, I don't bet on the Eagles, but the the talk is is so rough in Philadelphia at the moment. They're even talking about it being worth bringing in Antonio Brown, who's got an eight game suspension hanging over his head as well. And like, just it, it, it can't stay this bad in Philly. It can't. But I don't know where you know when it turns. Yeah, I mean, I've got a question for you. Do you know who's dead last in DVOA through uh, two games this season? I do, and I don't want to answer so, the question. The answer is the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I've got another question for you. Do you know who was 9-0 against the spread in their last nine games against the Philadelphia Eagles? I do, and I don't want to answer this question either. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. So, in saying so, all that... Yeah, what are you going to do? I'm taking the Eagles. <laughs> Fly, fly Eagles fly here. Um, since his major flaw, like they're a fun team, Burrow's, you know, Burrow's good, but their major flaw was on full display on Thursday Night Football last week, and that's their offensive line. Like he just didn't have any time to let routes develop. He was just pass rush in his face all the time. And I think as good as the Browns are on the front, Philly are much, Philly are better, I think. And um, that's the one strength that Philly have. Um, and yeah, I think Philly are getting some players back now, uh, and I think this is the spot they finally get it right here. Um, and I think uh, I think they get the job done here at the four and a half. I think I, my line has it at, at six, so I'm taking Philly minus four and a half. Despite all of that, I don't think the Eagles are as bad as they say they are. I know I've been on Cincy for the past two weeks, um, so if they cover again, I'm going to be bad. But you know, we 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 benefited from the backdoor cover last week, but they probably mm. were lucky to to cover against the Browns, but, you know, we'll take that. I also like uh, Miles Sanders, 100-plus rushing yards. You can shop around, hopefully get some $3, but there's some $2.90 out there at the moment. So um, that's definitely one to consider. I think he's going to just get a bulk of those carries. So yeah, that's where I'm, lean, I'm taking, taking the Eagles. Going to lean very heavily on Sanders and, and Zach Ertz, I think, in, in the past game as well. But, yeah, I th- yeah, wouldn't be surprised to see Miles Sanders get six or seven or, or even more. Uh, receptions as well, just because I think they're going to they're going to utilize him now that he's back to what looks to be full fitness. That uh, yeah. Carson Wentz is going to look for him short. Touch wood. Um, yeah, the Eagles can't be last in DVOA. It's just it's just impossible to have that roster and that quarterback and finish last in DVOA. So um, I think sense. they'll write I think they'll write the ship. So we'll but see. a lot of that we'll see this week. A lot of that also is based on that week one devastation you know, against the Redskins, which was horrible. So. Um, we'll get to the Redskins in a little bit. Uh, Houston at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh minus four. Total is 45. This is the biggest trap game of the season. <laughs> uh, but I'd rather fall in the trap than miss out when Pittsburgh smashed the Texans. So, yeah. So, you know, tread carefully. If you're a big believer in trap games, then don't listen to us here. But um, Pittsburgh minus four is just my absolute bet of the year at the moment. It's like my mm. highest gap. I don't understand this line. Um, that's what scares the hell out of me a little bit when I did my numbers. I originally had Pittsburgh minus eight and a half. I went back and, and did a little bit more digging and it got reduced to seven and a half when I updated my ratings. But still, that's a three and a half points edge for me. This is massive. So, yeah, I've got Steelers by a touchdown. Houston's offensive line ranks dead last in DVOA. They've allowed the most pressures, 57 through two weeks. They now face a defense, a mammoth front, 77 Mm. total pressures through two games, and their 11.1% adjusted sack rate is fourth in the NFL. This is a horrible, horrible, horrible matchup for the Texans, and this secondary is awful, and Big Ben's starting to find his feet. He's got some good guys. Deontay Johnson looked good last week. Chase Claypool looks legit. He only needs two catches a game to make a difference, this Claypool kid. 
Um, and yeah, it's it's all coming together in Pittsburgh. So I know the Broncos hung around and it was Jeff Driscoll and things like that. But, um, you know, Driscoll can be a bit saucy at times. And, you know, Tarv is a backup quarterback. You just kind of come in and you have to change your game plan on the run and things like that. So, um, and the Broncos are a decent team. We'll get to them in a little bit. But yeah, Pittsburgh minus four is, is my best bet for the week. Huge, huge trap game, like you said. And the thing with trap games is that often there's there's some sign, there's there's a piece of data or something that says watch out for this particular thing, but there isn't yeah. one this week. And I don't know. That's I think what it's confuses Deshaun me. Watson. I think it's Deshaun Watson. I well, feel like mate, yeah, maybe. It's just him. Like he he can he can win a game on his own, and that's that's the trap. I think is maybe this <laughs> is his week where he does it, where he just pulls off that freakish thing, runs for three touchdowns and, and bails Bill O'Brien out and keeps his job for another year. Yeah. I mean, last week last week I, I called the Pittsburgh Steelers the New Orleans Saints light. I think that they have the ability to, to be top five offense, top five defense. Um, if things continue, then the New Orleans might be Pittsburgh Steelers light. Um, th- this Steelers team is, is legit. And I think if they can get their running game right, James Conner wasn't terrible last week, but it, you know, the numbers were saved by that. You know, last drive. Running the last, yeah, I was on the, the unders there, so I wasn't happy with that. But. <laughs> but, you know, if, if they get that running game right, then they they don't really have a weakness at all. You know, I think currently they're 30th in, in rush offense DVOA. Um, but it, it only takes a couple of games for, for that to turn around, and James Conner has that ability. Um, yeah. So you know, this, this Texans team is, is garbage. You know, they're 23rd and 24th in pass and rush defense, 22nd in passing efficiency. They're actually 8th. In, in rushing offense, but who has the number one rushing defense? The Steelers. And the Steelers are just so much better on every line that I just I don't know how this line is only four points and yeah. could be a huge trap, but I just think I think the books have it wrong this week. Yeah, I don't understand that. And, I mean, it is a trap and that's always there's always something like the books always know more than us. Like that's one thing. In Pittsburgh as well. Know. In Pittsburgh yeah, it is. as well. And, the Giants were only were five and a half point favorites against the Giants, and now they're home. That was on the yeah. road too. Yeah, yeah. It seems. I don't, it seems I don't weird. get it. I don't know. And, and yeah. my, one of my long shots of the week is is Pittsburgh over fourteen. So yeah, I, know, I'm I taking that. the four every day this week. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's move on. Las Vegas at New Orleans at New Orleans at New England minus six. Total is forty seven and a half. Facing Bill Belichick on the road on a short week when he's coming off a loss doesn't normally bode well for you in any facet. Um, he'll have a plan in place to slow down Darren Waller and dare Derek Carr to beat him in other ways. I think that's going to be the game plan. Cam Newton's looked unreal. We talked about him a minute a minute ago atop the show. Um, I just am laughing so hard at like they show Julian Edelman and he's just absolutely gassed because he actually gets to run down the field. Um, and everyone's like, he's not a down-the-field wide receiver. Just because he hasn't for the last five years doesn't mean he's incapable of doing it. Um, he's he's a good player. He saved that Super Bowl for the Falcons with that freakish catch. It should have been intercepted seven times. Poor Falcons. Poor Matt Wright. Um, but, yeah, it's just funny to see Edelman just so gassed. Um, but, yeah, my numbers have this game pretty spot on. I probably would if I had to pick a side, I'd just lean New England at home here. I just don't trust Derek Carter to, to beat Drew Brees and then could beat Bill Belichick in back-to-back weeks. Um, so, yeah, I like I like New England, but I'm not taking it. But I like over 47.5. Um, I think while that number's under that key 48 number, I'm not sure New England's going to give up five touchdowns again. 
Um, but I could see maybe 21 to 24 points from the Raiders and you'll see, you'll see 30 odd from, from the Pats against this, uh, this Raiders defense that, um, wasn't great. It was just Drew Brees was bad. So I think Cam Newton should be able to slice and dice them up and, and, and do some stuff on his, uh, with his legs. I'll be looking at, um, Newton rushing yards and, and anytime touchdown props again this week. But yeah, what have you got? I just, I just can't get a gauge on the Raiders. I mean, what they did on Monday Night Football against the Saints in that, that second half was really, that, that outcome was remarkable based on where they came from, how the Saints played in the first quarter and a half. And I just can't work out if they were actually good or the Saints were just deplorably bad in the second half. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm leaning toward the Saints just being really bad. You know, they, they gave away 129 yards on 10 penalties. And, yeah, and they've, that's, they've given away that's 250, 250 penalty yards in two games for the Saints. And so that's that's a real worry. But uh, it played a, a huge part in, in that loss last week. Um and I'm not sure that it was the Raiders being particularly good. And their best offensive weapon at the moment is, is Darren Waller. Like you said, the Pats have been really good against tight ends over the last few weeks. So I think that that's a good matchup for, for the Patriots. I love what Cam is doing, as, as we said before. I'm leaning the Pats. If this comes into under the touchdown, if it comes into to five and a half, then I'm leaning mm. Pats. But, but until then, it's a pass. But yeah, keeping a really close eye on that line to see if it does come in at all. Yeah, I just I didn't know how high to rate Cam and, and this Pats because the, the defense did give up a lot of yards and, and easy kind of stuff to the Seahawks. But I don't know if that's just Russell Wilson's just playing like he's never played as good as he's ever been before. So Yeah, I, mean, well, I think that like the Seahawks are really hard. good. The Seahawks yeah. are really good. Russell Wilson in, in MVP form in week two already. Yeah. Um, yeah. and and we know that the Pats defense is not the Pats defense of the last decade, but they're still good. No. Yeah. They're still exactly. good. They're and just, I think they're, they're still missing I think some they're linebackers still in the middle. Them. I think they're still better than the Raiders' offense, so, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, let's move on to the Rams at Buffalo. Buffalo are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home here. The total is 47. I've got a small lean on the Rams. Um, I'll likely take them if this line gets to plus three. I don't think it probably will, though, unfortunately, um, but I just prefer that extra hook. Um, I could see this being a, a field goal game. Um, two undefeated teams both winning off the back of strong offensive and pass-heavy football. Um, the Bills being this aggressive pass-heavy offense is like pr- pleasantly surprising um, storylines of the season. Um, you know, Allen's shown improvement. Like He's had some strong games. Maybe, I'm, maybe I might have to eat crow on Josh Allen at the end of the season. <laughs> but his, his two good games have come off against the Jets and the Dolphins. So let's... Mm. Uh, it's ease expectations and everyone's like, Oh, he hasn't thrown a pick and everything like that. But there's been a couple of wayward throws that could have very easily been intercepted. So people have kind of revisionist history, history on dropped um, interceptions. People like to talk about dropped touchdowns, but they never talk about dropped interceptions um, enough. That's why I kind of find the interception whole, you know, narrative overrated, but uh, I want to see how it performs against tougher competition before I can announce them kind of contenders. I was a little bit concerned about their, their defense giving up, you know, letting Ryan Fitzpatrick drive up and down on them. Um, but it was kind of a weird game with a storm delay and all that sort of stuff. So that can always kind of, you know, mess you around a little bit. Um, you know, you get your lactic acid builds up and you seize up while you're in the dressing room, things like that. I don't, I'm not sure if that's a, a big factor, but I can see it being a bit annoying at times and, and being a hindrance. But yeah, I definitely think the Rams, the way that they're playing, the way that Sean McVay's coaching, and scheming up things, I think uh, the Rams can do the same. So I really like the over 47 here. It's, it's dropped back down to flat 47. So again, 
getting it before it goes over that 48 line. Um, I feel weird taking all these overs. Like I'm a real junkie, <laughs> you know, you know, punter, but it's it just terrifies me to back unders with the way the NFL is playing at the moment with, um, with these penalties, not the lack of penalties, but like there is a severe lack of penalties, but the, the penalties are often in the offense's favor. Um, and the way that these offenses are playing at the moment and the way that, you know, offensive scheming is at the moment. So it's just like, I'm not going to be taking too many unders in games until the, until the totals get kind of readjusted and, and move a little bit on the higher side. But yeah, I like over 47 here. Yeah. I, I can't put too much stock into how, how you defend Fitzmagic because that man is just an enigma and uh, he really I'm, is. Not sure, I'm not sure there's any consistent way to defend against him because he's just a beast. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what can you say about this Bills team? Like, this is twenty twenty in a nutshell. The Bills are a top five passing offense, and Josh Allen is a top five quarterback in uh, all meaningful statistics at the moment. And there's a little bit of facetiousness in in this because, like you said, you're talking about the Jets and and the Dolphins, and it's Josh Allen. But you know, this is this is still this is still the NFL, right? And they, these are still meaningful stats. And we could have seen the Bills. You know, with the top five rushing offense, maybe with with those wheels and and quite a few options in, in that game, but yeah, I didn't see this coming in in the passing game by any means. Um, I like what I've seen from both of these teams so far offensively. I, I do expect some regression from the Bills offensively, but I do expect an improvement from them defensively, which scares me off the overs uh, in this game. But other, otherwise, that would be the play for me. The, the numbers say that would be the play, but. Yeah, I'm just a little bit scared of some improvement on one end and, and regression on the other end. So it's a pass for me. Yeah, I mean, ranked first in in DYAR and, and two in DVLA for Josh Allen is staggering for me. Crazy. But that's, and four that's in, thing, in QBR. So. I know. His, his competition in QBR is Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Pat Mahomes. If, he, if, he's, still in the top five, if he's still in the top five in all four of those at the at the halfway point of the season, <laughs> I'll start to eat croak. But like it is, I'm starting to head in that direction. And um, a good friend of mine, Ando, will be giving me absolute crap about this because he's been waxing on about Josh Allen for the ages, and I'm just like, no, nah, it's just not a thing. I'll, I'll be a part of that because I, I, I've liked him this season so far, and I yep. said so in the, in the season preview. So I'll give you I'll give you yep. a bit of that back too, but yeah. uh, we'll see. Yeah. There's a long way to All go. Good. Exactly. We're only two weeks in and uh, it's the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. So um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, over 47 for me. Um, San Fran, minus four and a half at New York, at the New York Giants. Wow, I just had a, a spasm there mid-sentence. Total is 41. This is the injury bowl. Um, poor Daniel Jones. No Saquon, no Sterling Shepard. Poor Kyle Shanahan. No starters left. Basically, I want no part in this game. I've got no idea how to judge any of this. Um, I've got no idea how good Nick Mullins is going to be. He, he showed a little something something in Shanahan's scheme in a couple of games a, a year or two ago. Um, the, the Giants covered for me last week um, down 17-0, so bless you and I appreciate you, but I don't want to take you here at home. Um, even as a dog um, against San Fran, I just I just don't know how they're going to react to this. Um, but if I had to lean, I'd probably take the Giants plus four and a half at home, but I don't know. Um, Golden Tate, 75 plus receiving yards at 360. Um, that's going to be a long shot play for me this week. I, uh, I think without Sterling Shepard, he's going to be the guy. Yeah, a really tough one. Um, like like you said, this the injury bowl. It's just a, a ridiculous outcome based on what happened last week. Um but I reckon the Niners' practice squad is probably still better defensively than the Giants are. 
and the giant starters are defensively. Um, so, yeah, I don't want any part in, in kind of match props or anything like that. But um, a couple of players that, that interest me, Jarek McKinnon is the obvious one with the, with the Niners. I think he's going to be really heavily utilised in, in both uh, the, the run and pass game. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens on the, on the Giants and with Dion Lewis and the new giant, Devonta Freeman. Devonta Freeman, yeah. So, I don't know. He's just a plotter, Freeman. I don't know. Unless he's lost some weight during COVID. Gone but he just, puts up, he just puts up numbers. But, I mean, Daniel Jones is not Matt Ryan, so, yeah. No, I don't know. Devonta, he did he have that massive season, Devonta, but since then he's kind of just been like James Conner with a sprained ankle last season and felt like he was just not good. But then Todd Gurley hasn't been good in Atlanta either, so I don't know if it's a running game issue in Atlanta. That's mm. the reason. I've got no idea, but yeah, yeah I just I want no part. Um, the under is tempting, but yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm terrified to take unders at the moment. Um, all right, Tennessee minus two and a half at Minnesota. Total is 48 and a half. Um, I think, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think the Vikings have probably been the most disappointing team in the NFL. I know the we just talked about the 49ers. They've been a bit underwhelming, but you know injuries have played a bit of a role in that. But mm. I think the Vikings have just been the most disappointing team by a country mile this season, given that many tip them to, you know, win a division. Mm. Um, and they've been awful. I, I think they're definitely my most disappointing. Would they be yours? Well, not really. You have I, Philly? I, oh, definitely, definitely Philly. But I mean, like I, I said from the get go that I think, I think Minnesota have gotten worse on offense and on defense. And while they've still got enough talent to be competitive and, and they've, you know, they're still going to, still going to be relevant. I think they're lacking something on, on both sides of the ball this season. So it's not, it's not a massive surprise, um, but you know, yeah. there, there's still plenty of talent on that squad. So I still have um, a great roster, but I just don't know. I don't know where it's going wrong at the moment. And yeah, I just, they've been I mean, dreadful Cousins for seven trash. or eight quarters. Oh yeah. He's yeah. Bring back Case Keenum. Let's go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they've been dreadful for seven or eight quarters this season. So look, I'm not really sure what the heart of the problem is here. You mentioned they have got worse on both sides of the ball. There've been some, sort of minor personnel changes, but it shouldn't result in this dramatic a drop-off um, and this bad, a, you know, a performance across the board. Um, so I'm expecting some sort of positive regression, I think, back towards what many expected them to be in 2020. Maybe, they've, maybe they're just one of the teams that have dealt with this terrible off-season and lack of mm. pre-season and lack of continuity with COVID and everything. Maybe, the, you know, the first two weeks was just them being slow out of the gates, where some teams have gone hot out of the gates. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I'm expecting them to positive regress. Look, Tennessee, they're 2-0. They're playing solid. Um, but you could probably make the case, an easy case, that they could be 0-2. You know, they surrendered mm. multiple double-digit leads last week to the Jaguars and escaped by the skin of their teeth against Denver. Um, look, I can't believe I'm saying this because I don't rate Kirk Cousins at all, but I, th- I really like the Vikings as a home dog here. Um, I'm going to take them. I'm going to wait around and see if it does get to that, that flat three. Um, but I'll probably still take the two and a half anyway. Um, a home dog, you know, a playoff team last season. Um, I just think, yeah, my numbers, well, I have them as a small favourite. Um, maybe I'm a bit low on, on Tennessee, but I just, Tennessee, look, they've been good, but they don't, they're not a team that overall impresses me. And they have a solid roster, but there's no sort of spectacular pieces there for me. And I'm still a little bit iffy on Tannehill, even though he was much, much better last week. Um, I thought week one, he was a little bit slow, but Tennessee could probably win by 30 here, but I think I'm going to take the home dog. Yeah, look, Minnesota, the 20th ranked defense, 25th ranked offense. Thankfully, they've got Dalvin Cook, who, you know, 26 carries, 116 yards and three touchdowns in, in two games. 
uh, has the the Vikings the the fifth ranked efficient rushing offense. So, you know, they, they do have one thing going for them, and and the thing is, that the Titans haven't looked very good against the run so far this year. They're they're giving up an average of six yards per carry and a touchdown to to their opposition feature back over the last couple of weeks. So, you got to expect lots of Dalvin Cook this week. Kirk Cousins is ranked thirtieth out of thirty four eligible quarterbacks on, on Football Outsiders QB rankings. Ryan Tannehill is number three behind Josh Allen <coughs> and uh, Russell Wilson, the MVP. So no, yep. no comment on that. Just putting it out there. But I, I'm looking at points here. I think both teams. I think both teams are going to score. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. I think Tannehill's still going to throw the ball a lot. Um, and, and both teams have really particular weaknesses on on defense that yeah, I think both teams can can take advantage of. So I'm going the overs here, over 48 and a half. Don't mind it. Don't mind it. Um, all right, Washington at Cleveland. We haven't had any head-to-heads yet. That's interesting. No. Uh, we've had a couple the last few weeks, but we'll see how we go. Uh, Washington at Cleveland. Cleveland, seven and a half point favorites. Total is 45. It's flat seven at a lot of places as well, so it's kind of jumping around that line. Uh, but I haven't seen anything less than seven. Um, look, I know Cleveland's offense was you know, pretty electric in prime time last week. Um, but I just don't understand how they're a touchdown favorite here. Um, the Reds can still have the number one DVOA defense in the NFL, despite Arizona's 30 points last weekend. But it was a lot of dinking and dunking plays with Murray's feet and on the ground. I'm not sure Cleveland are disciplined enough to do that. And, and Matt Baker Mayfield, I know he's you know sneaky athletic, but he's not quite Kyler Murray with the ball in the hand. Not quite. Um, yeah, he just can't make people miss like Kyler. Kyler's very slippery um, in terms of... He's, Kyler's just a freak athlete, really. Like, yeah. I mean, he's the only player ever to go in the first round in the baseball and NFL draft, <laughs> which is still staggering. But yeah, Baker is, you know, as good as he is. I don't think they're disciplined enough to do that. Um, I think the Redskins can keep this one interesting and at the very least could sneak in into the backdoor cover like since he did last week, um, especially with that extra hook. So, yeah, I'm all over Washington plus seven oh. and a half. I want to see a little bit more on offense. But, uh, if Dane, Dwayne Haskins is bad again, if Alex Smith comes into this game, then I, I, Washington could win this game. Just on emotion, emotion alone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, look, yeah. I'm not I'm not putting much stock in in the Washington defense. Like like you said, uh, the Cardinals put up 30 on them last week. Before that, they were amazing against Philadelphia, but Philadelphia's offensive line was deplorable. Um, and you know, the, there's not a lot that you can say about that. Um, and, and that being said, there's there's just not enough evidence that Cleveland are any good. And if they are good, that they're consistent enough to be any good for for long enough. Um, so both of these sides are still mysteries. I lean Cleveland, but only only just, just because of the amount of talent they have compared to the the, the Washington football team. But yeah, it's a, it's a pass for me. We just yeah. want to stay away from it completely. The one you know thing last week was Cleveland's offensive line was much improved last last week. So I don't know whether they can have that same issue because you've got to double team Chase Young, and then if you double team Chase Young, you've got a plethora of. <laughs> Defensive lineman in Washington that you cannot leave unattended. So um, yeah, I mean they also got you know they got they got OBJ more involved as well. Finally, yeah, um, wow. and he was catching the ball. So yeah, and not not missing the ball. <laughs> um, Carolina at the Chargers. Chargers six and a half point favorites. Totals forty three and a half. Um, yeah, my numbers lean towards Carolina in this spot. Who uh, who nearly had the backdoor cover on the road versus Tampa last week. Um, you know. Teddy Bridgewater and Matt Rule, this offense, they're putting up a fight. 
um, despite sort of obvious shortcomings on the defensive side of the ball. So they just keep getting in these shootouts. Um, and I kind of I kind of like this Carolina team in terms of, you know, keeping the score and keeping up, you know, putting up a fight, really. Um, they have an advantage this week in that they'll know they're playing Justin Herbert. The Chiefs didn't last week. That was like a 30-minute before kickoff type situation. So this is a classic letdown spot for the Chargers after, you know, blowing what should have been a win against the defending Super Bowl champions if... Anthony Lynn, with a capital L, um, had some cojones and uh, decided to actually go for it on fourth down. But unfortunately, um, charged it up and uh, decided to punt it to freaking Pat Mahomes. Like, what are you doing? But anyway, Chargers never bet ugly against Pat Mahomes, like we said. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although Chargers did cover, but yeah. Um, <laughs> ugly home favorite, the Chargers. 2-10-1 against the spread in this spot um, since 2018. I know they're missing... McCaffrey, but Mike Davis is a decent runner of the football, and I think Curtis Samuel will uh, spice things up. You know, playing that running back role in, in passing down. So I think he he played a lot of running back in college, and I think uh, he can actually run the ball. I would be not surprised to see him have like you know four or five carries of the football, Curtis Samuel. So I lean Carolina plus six and a half. Um, I think uh, this is a good spot. I know you like the Rook Herbert. So are you with me or against me? No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Cool. I, um, we, you know, we, we spoke last week about the Panthers being a fun overs team, and so I, I like the overs again here. I, th- I think, like you said, this is this is one of those classic letdowns for, for the Chargers, especially with McCaffrey out. Um, it's a trap game for, for Los Angeles at home. Uh, don't underestimate Mike Davis. He's very, very capable. He's got a career average of nearly four yards per carry on 245 attempts in, in the NFL, five and a half yards per carry over a three-year college career at South Carolina, Contributes in the passing game too. He's he's a very good player, and you know I thought I thought at times over the last few years that he was going to win that number one job at Seattle. Um, over yeah, over he looks decent. Start. So I think he's a really good player, and and don't underestimate him. Um, that that six and a half line might come out to an even seven or, or even further close to kickoff. Um, so keep an eye on on that. I can certainly see the Panthers doing enough on offense at least to stay within touching distance of. of the Chargers, uh, so I, I don't mind that line for the, the Panthers. And, yeah, going overs again with, with Carolina. So maybe a little dabble on the double. Yeah, I don't um, – yeah, you love a dabble on the double. It's been pretty successful for you last season. I don't even – like, I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina win this game. You can get some $3.30 about them in the money line. It's not the – we've seen stranger things in the NFL. So Yeah, and I don't um, – I mean, I, I do like the look of Herbert, but, you know, it's – I, I don't like the Chargers at all this season. So, <laughs> um, All right, let's move on to a team that's worse than both of them. The New York Jets <laughs> travelling to Indianapolis take on the my Mighty Colts, minus 10.5. Total is 44. Um, look, I've got nothing on this. Um, this is a classic letdown spot for the Colts who will probably end up winning this by a field goal because half the New York Jets defense played for the Colts so know exactly what, we, <laughs> what our offense is running and everything like that. But... Um, yeah, I, I just want to mention this. Um, best and worst percentages of quality ball placement through two weeks per uh, pro football focus. Number one in the league, Philip Rivers, 72.2%. And he's doing it at 7.5 yards per attempt. So he's not dinking and dunking. He's, he's passing that ball down the field. Um, I just want people to wake up. Everyone thinks Rivers is playing bad because he's thrown a couple of picks. Last week's interception was in the chest of Mo Ali Cox and it ricocheted into the, the defensive back's hands. And the week before, everyone blamed the 
Colts lost on Phil Rivers and it was the, the entire defense is, like was terrible. If you watch the Colts defense last week and the Colts defense in week one, is you can't believe they're the same players. Um, I think Rivers is outplaying Breeze and Brady after all offseason we hit, we heard about how Tampa Bay are going to win the Super Bowl, how the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. You know, Rivers is washed. Um, look, he's playing better than both of them. So I just want to, uh, just good on for Phil Rivers. That's all I want to say. I think you're spot on with, with Rivers and, and the, the picks in, uh, in Indy. I think like Rivers is hitting his receivers. He's hitting yeah. the guys. They're just not catching him. Like T.Y. Yeah. Hilton has seven catches from 14 targets. That These guys are too good for this to keep happening. Like, Rivers is a good quarterback. He knows how to throw the ball. He's accurate. Um, and these guys are better receivers than they've shown. And I really expect that at some point the Colts are going to get everything together. I think they're too good not to. Um, Rivers now has two two full games in, in a new offense. Uh, T.Y. is getting the looks. He hasn't quite caught them, as I said, but that, that's going to get better. Um, and this is a perfect spot. You know, the Jets are the 22nd-ranked passing defense. So... I don't normally take 10-point lines or, or bigger, but I've just got a feeling that this week is the week that, that the class prevails and, and does it in a big way. And I think I think this could be the game that gets the Colts season back on track in a, in a real way. So I'm taking the Colts here at home. Hmm. They just need to be better in the red zone. They're really bad in the red zone in week one and, and still a little bit sloppy in week two. So if this is the game that they get it right, even if they only win by five or six, I'll be happy as long as they convert those red zone opportunities. Well, that's, but, I mean, that's the big thing. Is yeah. they, just need, they just need to win. They just need to win firstly. But I think at some point they're going to beat someone and they're going to, they're going to beat down on them really hard, and it could be this mm-hmm. week. Yep. Uh, all right, let's move on to a probably a more interesting match. Uh, Dallas at Seattle. Seattle minus five at home. Total a whopping 55 and a half. Now, this is a type of total where you probably <laughs> would maybe consider the under, but then when you look at the two quarterbacks and what they <laughs> did last week, then you probably change your mind and, and leave it. Um, this line looks spot on, but yeah, that total is high, man. But uh, the let Russ cook m- movement, the hashtag let Russ cook movement in full swing clubhouse leader for the MVP at the moment. Um, yeah. Look, Dallas have been decent, especially given the O-line injuries and some of the injuries they've had a linebacker and, and things like that. Um, they deserve to be one-on-one. I just think they probably should have switched those wins and losses. They got, they got dudded by the refs in, in week one with that Michael Gallup call against the Rams, and then they got insanely lucky against the Falcons. So I think one-on-one's fair. Um, but, yeah, they could have easily won both those games. You could also make the case that they could have lost both those games. So it kind of, you know, just really shows you how the NFL's so such a thin margin there between wins and losses. But I think I can see them hanging around in this game. Um, I can easily see them winning this game as well if things go right. Um, they just kind of got themselves in a hole with those fumbles and, and punt return things. It was a very kind of McCarthy-esque um, playoff game where he used to make those type of errors. So maybe he'll learn from that. But, yeah, this is a potential NFC championship game for me. Um, I'm going to pass completely. I probably might have a look at the Dallas money line just in case um, and maybe bet on Dak MVP. If, this is the, if you think he has a chance, if he can get the win and – Beat Russell Wilson, then this might be his price might come right in. If you want to uh, take the Dak MVP price, this is probably the time to take it around a twenty twenty six dollar mark. Not a bad call, not a bad call. It is a really high points total, like you said. But I can yeah. I can really easily imagine you know a scoreline of like thirty thirty three, um, you know Seattle win or or the other way. Like it it could go it could go either way. Um, the Cowboys got their offense back on track in the second half last week against the Falcons, but their defense still. You know, in that first half was was uh, absolutely devastated by by Matt Ryan. 
and Calvin Ridley. So it's a yeah. it's a danger game, I think, for both these teams. And I'd be quite happy, you know, if uh, the Cowboys were, were zipping two instead of one and one, even if the results had flipped, like you said. But uh, yeah, I, the way this season is going, it's gonna be. I, I just see a lot of points, 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 and more points. And I'm going the overs. Like I see this as similar to that uh, Chiefs Rams game from a couple of years ago that just went, went massive overs, went forty points over what was already a massive, a massive total. What? How? What's like your maximum total? What could you see this hitting? Could you see hitting eighty points? Yeah, could yeah, you absolutely. See hitting seventy points. I could oh, easily seventy. I could, I could quite. Yeah, I still. I think eighty is possible. Like 45, 43, Like that's sort of that's possible with these two teams. Maybe look at an alternate total. Just Maybe. smash a smash a big a big, big total. One. See how we go. Um, yeah, I, I didn't realize Seattle's defense was passing defense was struggling so bad. Um, even with Jamal Adams, that the twenty ninth in pass defense. So um, that's something to look at. But they have faced Matt Ryan and Cam Newton, so that's also something to consider. But now they face Dak with with CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, and, and Amari Cooper. So <laughs> Doesn't get any we'll easier, does it? No, exactly. It's a tough trot for the Seattle DBs at, to start the year. All right, Detroit at Arizona. Arizona minus five and a half. Total is fifty four and a half. Um, I'm still finding it really hard to get a good read on on the Cardinals. I mean, I know they're easily an above average team. Uh, that that's a given, but I just can't quite grasp like how good they actually are or can be. Um, their offensive and def- defensive lines are over overachieving right now massively, and I think a lot of that's yeah. good coaching, which is great. Good on Cliff Kingsbury and his coaching staff there, but their talent level there is isn't as good as how they should be playing given when you look at their, their team and their lineup um, and they're, you know, they're an injury away from, you know, being a disaster if that happens, especially on offensive line, but look, good teams win, great teams cover. If the Cardinals are as good as everyone wants them to be, they should blow, you know, the Lions and, and Matthew Edward fucking Patricia out of the water. <laughs> um, but, you know, this game might actually suit the Lions who probably will be playing from behind rather than blowing another double digit lead. Like, Fuck this coach, man. He's so bad. I just, it's just, just terrible. He's just so, he's terrible. Pass. This is a pass for me because I'm gonna. If I spent all week talking about how bad Matt Patricia is, I probably win on the on the road here and, and just like make me eat crow. Yeah, so my, my my notes on Detroit this week are literally just the laughing with tears emoji. Um, there's, yeah. there's not much to say about them. I, I do like Marvin Jones Jr. in in props. Need to wait in some markets, but I do like him to to uh, get a fair bit of the ball. Cardinals are really fun to watch. And like you said, can you imagine if they actually had a good offensive line, like what this mm. offense could do and the damage that Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, Kenyon Drake could do? Like they could just destroy teams on offense. But um, what, what Kyler Murray is doing behind what is a bottom 10 offensive line is pretty remarkable. But, uh, yeah, like you said, really hard to get a gauge on on them and it's a pass for me. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to make the, probably a playoff team, but I just don't know whether they'll... Yeah, I just don't know whether they'll like win a playoff game. I just don't know. Mm. I, I need. I think they're a draft away, like a good trench draft away from being special. Because I think I th- Kyler is Kyler is is rising, like massively rising as a I th- quarterback. I think here. they'd be happy with that. I think they'd be happy with making yeah. the playoffs. That's a win. Yeah, no, I yeah, I agree. And yeah, the offensive line is yeah, you know, twenty fourth in the league at the moment mm. in TVOA. So it's just hard. Um, I like New Hopkins, hundred twenty five plus yards, three fifty. It's clear that. Kyler wants to feed in the football and, and, and he's getting double-digit targets a game. And against Detroit's secondary, I think there's a chance he breaks one loose here and and, and puts in a big performance. So that's something to, 
to look at there from a from a prop perspective. All right, Tampa what you, Bay. What do you have minus... in week one? What do you have in week one? One fifty. Yeah, I think so. He had sixteen yeah. targets. There was a lot of dink and dunking in week one, but he started to stretch the field a little bit more mm. last week. So we'll see how see how things go. Um, Tampa Bay minus six at Denver, total forty three and a half. Um, I'm doing this. I'm actually doing it, Nick. I'm doing it. I'm taking Dref, Jeff Driscoll plus six against Tom Brady. My numbers really like this play, um, and my numbers have been good to me. Um, they've had some great covers this year. Shout out to the Bengals and, and Giants and the Chargers last week. Um, but, yeah, I've been pretty steep in my adjustments as well with Denver with no lock and, and something that dropped like a couple of points. But, you know, I still have Denver as the biggest home field advantage in COVID-19. Um, in, in you know, I've adjusted home field advantage this year with no fans, but with the altitude, it's still a massive advantage. Um, I think it's just such a huge advantage for them that they've trained and practiced in this all week. And we saw Tennessee really struggle a bit with it in week one. And no venue in the NFL has given Tom Brady more headaches over the past few years than the mile high. Uh, Brady's lost seven of his 10 visits in the altitude in Denver, including three playoff losses. So Denver know how to play Tom Brady. I know it's a different team. I know it's a totally different thing. There's no fans. It's not smack bang in the middle of winter like he normally is, you know, late in the playoffs there. But, man, if it weren't for a meaningless Leonard Fournette long touchdown run, the Bucks are actually 0-2 and two against the spread. Um, and I think their offense has been really clunky. I don't know. Like, I know Chris Godwin hasn't been healthy properly and, and Mike Evans has banged up week one. But I just haven't put it all together. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of just been clunky. So, I don't know. Broncos have been you know, tough. They've stuck around against two really good teams in Tennessee and Pittsburgh. And I think they can do the same here. I think they've got a lot of good depth. I know they've got some injuries, but they're just a good, well-coached team. And I think uh, they can stick around. Now that I've picked against Tom Brady in Denver, they'll probably finally get their offense all together and put up 450 yards. So if you're a Bucks and Brady fan, you can thank me later. But yeah, I'm taking Jeff Driscoll, baby. Let's go. I, I don't disagree with with any of that, except I'm not taking I'm not taking Denver. I, but I really bet against Denver at home for for exactly those reasons. Regardless of who's at quarterback, who's at wide receiver, yeah. um, yep. I, I just I'm just looking at the unders. They're, they're two average offenses. They're both pretty decent defenses as well. And and you know there's there's some really important skill players out. And that home ground advantage for the Broncos is huge, regardless of fans or no fans. And I just don't see I just don't see points here. Like I just. I feel like this could be one of those really dour, ugly, like nine thirteen type <laughs> score. You know, like just just yeah. tough to watch. So I'm yeah, I'm taking the unders. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Chris Godwin was removed from the concussion protocol, so it looks like he's trending to play. But yeah, I'm just not sure. So we'll we'll wait and see. Um, all right, Green Bay at New Orleans. New Orleans minus three at home. The total is fifty four and a uh, fifty two and a half. Sorry. Um, this is a massive pass for me. Um, we talked about the Saints earlier. Look, my numbers like, like the Saints, even with a significant downgrade in my rating at quarterback for them to account for Drew Brees being washed or cooked or whatever you want to call him. Um, you know, but I'm not sure if I've downgraded him enough, so I can't really make a play in this one. And Green Bay is also a team. I don't know if I've marked them up high enough yet. So it's kind of a, a real mesh of, of two sort of unsure ratings here adjustments so you know this kind of screams though a bounce back spot where you're getting a value of a much better roster against a team that's a very public favorite right now um you know after a very hot start but i mean like the bills like who have green bay beaten you know the vikings who are 
terrible at the moment and the Lions who are 0-2. So, you know, I can see a bigger performance from the Saints defense, especially if Devontae Adams is out. You kind of would take Lattimore and Jack Rabbit in matchups against, uh, you know, Lazard and, and MVS. So, sure. um, yeah, I just, yeah, still, yeah, I just, it's just a pass. But for me, the biggest thing I keep coming back to is I just don't understand why the Packers drafted a quarterback and a running back in rounds one or two. It's bizarre. In the draft, when their best players through this through the first two weeks have been their running back and their quarterback. Can you imagine if this team had a Van Jefferson or a Chase Claypool it was so or another obvious. player on defense? It was yeah. so obvious that their best players were always going to be Rodgers and, and Jones. Like, yeah, Aaron and make, Aaron. I just, it's just... Doesn't make sense. Look at this anti-Aaron slander in Green Bay. <laughs> I want to get rid of this anti-Aaron slander. <laughs> well, I mean, they've got two of them in the starting lineup and they're they're both yeah. probably pro bowlers, so I don't know. Yeah. But look, I, it's a pass from me too. I just I, I just don't know what to do with the Saints. I, I still think they're a really good team. I still think they're really well coached. Sean Payton was scathing of them during the week, and understandably so. So I expect mm-hmm. them to be much better uh, on both offense and defense, even without Michael Thomas. I, I think Alvin Kamara has a, a big game. I think it's a good spot for Latavius Murray um, for an anytime touchdown, kind of depending on the value you can get. Um this this could be game of the week if it wasn't for the next one, but it could also be really ugly. Um, was, and, uh, was I, I just don't know? Sean, like, sorry, go on. I was going to say, was Sean Payton scathing of himself because John Gruden completely outcoached him in that game? I think he was scathing of the entire franchise in in all facets of the game, and he he said that everyone, including franchise legends and franchise greats, had to be wary. So I. I imagine that he uh, includes himself in that conversation. But yeah, and, until we know whether th- that was an anomaly for the Saints or that's actual, you know, closer to reality this season, uh, I'm just not, I just can't, I can't play with the Saints anymore. Yeah, I get it. I mean, if Breeze is that bad again, like, I'm not even joking here. you got to start Jameis. Like, I just, <laughs> like, even if you're resting Drew Breeze, like, even call it an injury, like he's like, yeah. got, like a shoulder issue or a rotator cuff and just, kind of, you know, Brock Osweiler this thing for a little while. You've got a great yeah. roster. You can win without Drew Brees for a while and then get him right and get him back and comfortable and ease his management and then you know, unleash him, in, you know, the back end of the year. Maybe wouldn't that's surprise the way me. To go. wouldn't surprise me to see it managed. Um, I don't, for, for I don't know why time. NFL teams don't – Yeah, I don't know why they don't baseball it more often. Have a closer. Like, mm. let's go. Have Drew <laughs> Breeze waiting in the bullpen as Jameis Winston takes bad sacks and injuries and, <laughs> and you know, beats up on bums when they play, like, I don't know, when they play bad teams, when they play the Panthers twice. Like, why are you wasting Drew Breeze's arm there against the Panthers when you're going to be a 12-and-a-half-point favourite or whatever it is? I don't know. Yeah. 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 Weird, weird thing. But anyway, um, Kansas City at Baltimore, you're right. Get match, of the, match of the week, right? By a long shot. Um, Baltimore minus three at home. Totals 53 and a half. Here's my tip for this one. Grab a beer, grab some popcorn, some wings, some pizza, whatever. Just enjoy the fuck out of this game. It's just going to be an amazing game. It's it's an AFC. This is what should be the AFC championship game this season. Um, and this line is spot on because we know what these teams are. They're exactly what we expected them to be. KC or even Mahomes is you know, hasn't been as inf- as efficient as we'd like to expect it, but he's still warming up. Um, they're an offensive juggernaut with some, you know, questionable, you know, patches on defense. 
Um, and the Baltimore Ravens are just a complete juggernaut across the field. Special teams, offense, defense, they're in top they're in the top five in DVOA in all three facets of the game. Um, but yeah, I think they're rightly flat three favorites here. Um, you know, KC were tempting at three and a half earlier in the week, but uh, it's just hard to bet against Baltimore at home. Um, yeah, they're a much more complete team. But as you said, Mahomes is never out of a match. And I do think, though, I do will take this. I think Lamar's going to have a field day running against these linebackers. So I'm going to look at some Lamar 100-plus rushing yards props and some prices. Obviously, all dependent on price. If it's going to be a terrible price, I won't I won't take it. But, yeah, that's, that's my view. I'm just going to really look forward to this game. Yeah, don't mind it. It's, the overs is tempting just because you know how quickly both these both these teams can score. But I, I might just take your advice and enjoy the game. There's there's not too many times outside of Super Bowl day when you know ten thirty ten thirty in the morning uh, Australian Eastern that there's a reason to, to have a beer and some pizza or wings or whatever whatever you enjoy. And this is one of those days. Like I can't wait. It should be should be so much yeah. fun. I mean, it was a cracker last year. Um, you know, so why not like. <laughs> Why not do this dance again? So you know, it's it's fun. So and it, it, the result of the game almost doesn't matter because you know that yeah. both these teams are going to be thereabouts at the end of the season. Yeah. So well, you actually, well, in the new playoff seating, potentially. Ma, you know, yeah, I guess from a, yeah, from a seating perspective, yes, yes, yeah. So that was a massive win for Kansas City to escape last week against uh, the Chargers in the grand scheme of things. Looking back, but yeah, you're right. Um, but there's still such a long way to go. So mm. um, it is crazy, but yeah. All right, lock of the week has to be Chargers, Pittsburgh minus four. I know we're probably going to regret this next week. We're going to laugh about it. Um, but we're, look, we're two and one. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh minus four just seems too good to be true. And we're going to say things are often too good to be true because they are too good to be <laughs> it's true. Too good to be true. Uh, yeah, so yeah, wrapping up my best bets, Pittsburgh minus four, Buffalo and the Rams. Uh, sorry, Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo Bills, LA Rams over 47. Philly minus four and a half. My long shots this week: uh, five bucks on Lavishka Chenault, ninety-nine plus yards at fifteen dollars. Golden Tate, uh, seventy-five plus receiving yards at three sixty. I'll have five on that, and then ten on on Big New Hopkins, one hundred and twenty-five plus yards at three sixty. So they're my long shots. Finish this up here, Nick. What's your best bets and long shots for this week? Don't mind it. Yeah, Pittsburgh minus four is the easy one. Lock of the week: uh, yep. Miami Jacksonville over forty-eight and. Bucks Broncos under forty three and a half, and long shot. I've gone five bucks on uh, James Robinson in the the Dolphins Jags game first touchdown at eight dollars and fifteen mm-hmm. bucks one and a half units on the Steelers to win by two touchdowns or more 14, 14 plus at three dollars fifty. I like it. I like it. And you've you've just gone the two and you've you've just gone one and a half units on the Steelers. Beauty. Just the two. I think it's just just a bit of far. I really think yeah. that this line is way way too short. For the, yep. the Steelers, and yeah, I think I think uh, Jacksonville are going to run the ball a lot against this Miami terrible he's been, run defense. He's been pretty good, this um, yeah. James Robinson guy. I mean, they yeah. traded their fourth overall pick with a fifth round rookie, and you get an exact same production. Exactly. Um, I think maybe I think maybe they learned that uh, like running backs don't matter. Like if <laughs> 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 they learned the hard way, but surely we're yeah, still a few weeks away from that conversation, aren't we? Yeah, when when we get James back, um, <laughs> we can talk about it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to look at these alternate totals that you were talking about as well in Dallas versus Seattle. So mm. you can get over sixty six and a half points at three fifty five, or three fifty over flat sixty six. It's still it's something, still like that. Something to look at. 
that 350 is still low for a line that high. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I just think it's going to be a really high-scoring game, that one. So, yep. We'll, we'll have no, a I mean, 37-39 last week was well and truly over. So, uh, yep, all good. All right, that wraps up week three. Um, Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure. Good luck this fun, week. Mate. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, potentially with two shows a week. We might uh, mix it up a little bit. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how we go. But uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Punt Return. Follow me on Twitter at JYNFL and you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Splitter. And that wraps up week three of the punt return. <laughs>